We made this podcast in more like October time and for reasons and such um, <laughs> we didn't put that one up but now we want to um, so if anything sounds a little bit dated as just a couple months is a big difference in the year 2020 <laughs> that's why. Yeah absolutely um, yeah the, the other thing I, I just wanted to say on this one is we talk about resilience so the subject is all about resilience um, and um, I've done quite a lot of research on resilience, but from an organisational psychology um, perspective. Um, so I do want to stress that I'm not a counsellor or a, a psychotherapist. Um, so although I've obviously I've studied psychology up to master's level, um, the stuff that we talk about here is not me telling you what to do in any professional capacity. Um, but hopefully you find it interesting and useful. Um, definitely use a lot of references, things you can read and places you can go to. So hope you enjoy the podcast about resilience. So, welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine. And I'm Stephen. And today we're going to talk about resilience, aren't we? We are. Yes, so do you want to tell them about resilience as in like the theory of resilience i suppose the first thing that that you have to get out of your head is this kind of idea of what people think resilience is which is some kind of macho you know i can take out anything you throw at me sort of thing everything bounces off me um and in fact there's this um going back a few years now there's a football manager um called ian dowie who kind of coined a new word called bounce back ability because mm. um, he said his team had lots of bounce back ability um, and everybody sort of caught on to that word and he even did some charity work to help people with mental illness and stuff so that was quite good um, and there's nothing wrong with it but it, it does kind of give you this impression that you're like a brick wall you know you just, mm. or you're, you're the ball if you like that is bouncing against a brick wall and you just keep on taking it you keep on taking it you keep on taking it <laughs> Um, and it feels a bit like you're bashing your head up against a brick wall and yeah is that really what resilience is um being beaten down but you keep getting back up and and you know there's a very kind of um, heroic feel to that i think that people like the idea that yeah nothing can can get me um i was bred on bounce back ability (laughs) exactly yeah so I think that's what people, most people think about when they think about resilience. It's this ability to bounce back mm. after some horrible event or difficult thing that's happened to them. Um, and of course, at the moment, we do this podcast from a second lockdown in the UK. And uh, there's quite a lot of talk about resilience, isn't there? Yeah, there is a lot of talk about resilience at the moment. Um, I think kind of this not necessarily using the word resilience movie but the idea the concept of it in the keep trudging through it just keep going we because uh, i think it's probably coming up more just because i think there is an air of running out of steam a little mm. bit so there's mm. a lot of push from i guess the higher ups to keep going yeah keep going we can do we're, we're nearly there keep going yeah i mean there's there's quite a lot of invocation of the british spirits and um, keep calm and the carry bulldog on. spirit and all mm-hmm. this and this is all uh, sort of appealing to this sense of resilience um we do talk about all sorts of 
things having resilience. We talk about the economy having resilience. We talk about business having resilience. And of course, we think about people having resilience. So yeah, in terms of the the kind of scientific um, definition, if you like, of resilience in psychology, it's it's a bit more nuanced than obviously this ability to, to bounce back, although that is part of it. But it invokes some stuff there around learning as well. So the ability to learn from an experience and then grow from mm. that experience. So it's not just about keep taking the blows. It's about adapting. It's about changing. And it's about learning and developing from your experiences and finding a way through. So resilience is actually um, is actually a bit more clever than just, you know bless me just keeps going <laughs> yeah think of it as a process mm. rather than a a kind of innate quality which i think would be helpful for a lot of people actually especially yeah. you know when 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 stuff goes wrong instead of being like well that song i get knocked down but i get up again instead of it just feeling yeah. like you're just like because sometimes you feel a bit like an idiot almost just getting up and running back up to the plate again and again yeah. just to get smacked down you're like what am i do- what am i doing yeah. you know that einstein thing that everyone misquotes him all the yeah. time so it probably is an einstein but we'll say it is for the sake of this where it's like <laughs> to do the same thing again and again is to be insane yeah that's right yeah uh, if um, keep on getting knocked down then then yes you have to ask i mean that song always makes me laugh because it's always held up there as one of those songs we should sing yeah. um but really miserable. well yeah but he's actually the way he does it is by having a whiskey drink and a cider drink and another drink so basically <laughs> just drowning his problems in alcohol <laughs> Oh, and that's what that's what helps him to kick so i don't advise that that's no. um although you know that i know that is a um a method but it's not necessarily no. the, the best way to it, it, it was the joke that that kind of was the method in lockdown one wasn't it because <laughs> yes. it was like there was so many memes saying um when everyone goes outside to clap i go and put all of my <laughs> bottles in the bin so yes. that they can't hear my shame <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um yeah i think yeah i, I quite like though the idea of talking it's not even the idea that's what it's actually meant to be i guess we things get simplified don't they but mm. talking about it in actual terms of resilience is is learning and growth seems a lot more beneficial than just getting whacked down regularly yeah i think it gives you a bit more agency if you if yeah. you just think of yourself as this kind of ball that keeps hitting the wall then the ball doesn't really have any agency it just keeps, keeps having to go through that experience whereas if you're learning from it you know, you might be stuck in that experience, but the way that you cope with it, you might be able to adapt and learn from. Uh, I mean, nobody's saying there's a, a magic wand or an no. easy way of doing this. But. No, I think, you know, now we didn't talk about this in our, we have a pre-talk, secret, secrets. we have a pre-talk. <laughs> um, we didn't say this before, but um, I think if I t- was to think about what was a resilient moment for me in lockdown one, mm. it would actually be still doing stuff like this, the creative stuff, because... Mm. Yeah. Um, I was feeling quite knocked down because <laughs> um, yeah. you know we'd as many of you probably know if you're also artists um, you get you apply for things and you get all the way to nearly there and then they go no sorry and they don't tell you why yeah and you do that a lot and it happens a lot and um, yeah so we're talking here about um, applying for funding so to do anything of any size you kind of need some money and uh, unless you're very lucky and you have a, 
lot of money sloshing around you, you generally have to apply for funding and, mm-hmm. and you often have to go through a lot of hoops and it can it can be a bit depressing can't it you keep doing yeah, this and, yeah because we got so yeah. close and i was starting to feel <laughs> i was starting yeah. to believe um it was a bit morpheus moment like he's yeah. starting to believe and then it was like oh no yeah it <laughs> doesn't work yeah so i think that's right and, and everybody will have their own experience of, yeah. of these sorts of things you, it, you, you keep trying and you just you just don't feel like you're getting anywhere and there's those moments where you just think what is the point yeah it's it's very much like the artist version of applying for the job you want all the time it's just applying for the funds to do the art you want to do yeah yeah and they pick someone and it's more more than likely not going to be you because there's so many thousands of people um so you know but you know i had had a little covid cry um and then i got back up yeah so but that's we right did talk about things that we we're going to do differently so that was the important market difference i suppose yeah so there's a there's a couple of things that's prob- probably worth um talking about in terms of the the way of thinking about resilience so there's one which is is think about resilience as a as a as about maintaining balance between um the demands on you and the resources that you've got to be able to cope with those and if you think about the demands on you, that could be like physical demands. It's more likely to be emotional demands or intellectual demands. Um, and we, we're put under lots of demands. And, and I would say in the modern world, we have more demands than ever. If you live, if you were growing up in the I don't know the eighteen hundreds or whatever, although life would have been really really tough physically, nothing much was demanded of you really. Whereas now you're constantly in demand you're constantly having to respond to things and you've got a lot of pressures on you and um, it's the ability of you to be able to manage all of those and and you have to draw on resources so there's a theory around you know you have a finite amount of resources emotional resources and you've got an amount of demands and as soon as those demands exceed the resources that you've got to manage those demands that's when you start to suffer with difficulties, if like you like. burnout and stuff. Burnout, depression, you know, all the sort of mental illness um, issues that you might mm. encounter. So it's really about trying to either reduce those demands or increase your resources. And how would you... So I know how you could maybe decrease demands is that you, it, when you're asked to work on certain things you can say no can't you You my plate is too full at the moment yeah Um, and that shouldn't be underestimated actually no no. because it's very easy just to keep taking on more and more and more um and yeah at some point you have to have the uh, and this could be a learning experience this could be where the learning comes in you know i've learned how to say actually i can't take that on right now i've I've just got as much as i can cope with and i do think that is often i've never met anyone that's just inherently been good at knowing mm, that point before yeah. they've reached a bubbling point first yeah, yeah um especially my experience of that was at uni i think i remember calling you when i was on the um when i was doing the filmmaking society mm. called you and i was like i've organized all these things yeah and like, i'm trying to market and i'm trying to do this yeah. and, da, da, da. and it was just you know because it wasn't working out perfectly so mm. especially when you've got high demands and then it's not working out perfectly that yes. really smacks you in the face <laughs> yeah um, so it's like i've gone for all this effort and i was so stressed and now there's no one here there's like three people 
<laughs> yeah, so often what happens is you kind of take all these things on with the assumption that you're going to get some support. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you didn't have any support, but maybe you didn't have as much as you expected. Mm. And then and then you find that you've actually got more than than you thought you would. Um, and, and yeah, I think that's that's often part of the problem. So it's a, sometimes it's about um, overestimating your ability to cope and perhaps the amount of help and support you're going to get and underestimating the, the pressure that it's going to put on you. Yeah. So it's worth keeping that in mind, this balance of demands versus the resources that you've got. So one thing to do could be to think about the demands and reduce some of those. Perhaps as we're talking at lockdown, although of course this applies to any time, um, but particularly at this time, in theory, if you're on f- furlough, demand in terms of time has really reduced because you you've got a bit more time now so that might not be the issue it might be more that the stress and the pressure and the uncertainty that's depleting all your resources so that's perhaps where the place Mm. to work might be yeah so then how do we um how do we talk about uh increasing your resources because that's an interesting one that I've not really thought about. I've thought about the demand side, but not yeah. the resource side before. Yeah, so there's a couple of um, sources that I think are worth looking at, and we'll put these on the notes for the podcast. Yeah, the show notes, yeah. Um, there's a, a paper that I think is is freely available um, by a writer, a researcher called Diane Coutu, I think her name is. Um, it's from the Harvard Business Review, and I think it's a really good little article actually it's it's more an article than it is a paper so it's not a scientific paper which is good because it's nicely written and, and kind of easy to um, to digest um but she talks about three things so in her re- research she's she poses that the the normal question which is what how is it that some people seem to be able to cope with um some terrible situations and they seem to manage to be able to cope with that and then at other times, maybe the same individual or perhaps other individuals just really struggle to cope. And, and that's the big question, you know, how is it that some people seem to be able to have this resilience and others don't? So she did some um, research on that. She interviewed people and she, she did some lots of reading about what it is that is the difference between these two sets of people, if you like. And she came up with three things which we could go through, if you like. Mm. So one was that people who are resilient tend to what she described as face down reality. So this means that um, it's not really being overly optimistic. It's about being realistic. So she made the point that people who are overly optimistic, who just keep saying, you know, everything's going to be great, you know, and, and nothing's going to go wrong. And, you know, those are the people that when things don't turn out, they're devastated mm. um and she even quoted a uh an individual who'd been in a prisoner of war camp and he said that it you could always tell the people that were not going to make it because they were the bright-eyed optimists to start with mm. they were all the people that thought you know that within weeks we're going to be liberated you know um mm. and of course when that doesn't come to fruition then then their whole world has collapsed so it's quite fragile so the point he made was that actually you need to be able to look at reality and say well you know this is 
this is as close as I can get a, a good understanding of what is happening and what is likely to happen. Um, let's hope for the best, but I have to accept that you know it's not everything isn't likely to fall into place for me. And that ability just to be honest with ourselves and look at reality, face it down as she described it, accept what's happening, if you like, with a, a willingness to do something to change it, if possible. Um, but I thought that was really interesting and perhaps mm-hmm. counterintuitive. It's the, the, the really optimistic um, front, if you like, is not necessarily the best way to go. No. So thinking about experiencing uh lockdown for instance you know we it would be great if it could end in a couple of weeks but it's possible it might go on till christmas and it's possible that christmas we might not be able to have the christmas that we normally have and that's i think important to just accept that yeah i think we need to just accept it (laughs) like people keep um saying about hope having you know proper christmas and talking about ways that they can make that happen and I don't know and and I think back me personally to lockdown one and think about you know I was like okay well we'll do lockdown for a bit and then it'll all be under control and we'll go back to our lives and now I'm like (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like you know we're not reality we're not gonna have normal Christmas because I think it's unlikely last time we could we could hope for it we could say you know it, it could happen let's hope it does but I think accepting that it's likely that it won't be the same. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it and that there can't be things that we we really love about it. And I'm personally going to enjoy Christmas, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think it's that, that balance is, is really important. Yeah. Um, so facing down reality is the first one that Diane Kutu identified. second one was the search for meaning. And, and this is really interesting because she um, talks about uh, somebody that's that's quite well known in psychotherapy uh, circles called Viktor Frankl, yeah. and Viktor Frankl was uh, a Jew who was in the concentration camp in I think it was Auschwitz. Um, he was also already a psychologist, but during that um, that terrible experience, he thought about how he was going to sort of cope with that, and he decided that he would use this experience as a way to understand how to cope with this sort of experience, if you see what I mean. And he even imagined himself giving lectures about this experience and how he managed to cope. And so he somehow found a way of creating meaning and purpose in that experience. Um, And, you know, I guess he feels that that really helped him survive. He was able to say, well, this is... This is not that there's a, a reason, if you like, some sort of fate um, concept. I'm not saying that, but whatever happens to us, we can create some meaning and purpose within that. Yeah, I think like just really, and it can be really small. So I don't feel like you have to be going through an awful experience as bad as as that to yeah, apply this sort yeah. of theory. Because I realise that I even do this in my relationship being long distance. With I'm, your boyfriend. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, you know, so I could just be really bummed out about that and be like, it's rubbish and constantly mm. annoyed and sad about it because we've been doing long distance for a while now because yeah. I did my degree mm. and finished and graduated and then he literally just started his mm. because he's 
and you know been on a different journey he's mm. discovered his passion a bit later um so you know that means that we're doing long distance again but what i applied meaning wise to it and i wasn't thinking about it necessarily but i've said well it's good really because it gives me time to focus on my um you know filmmaking stuff and doing this um because you know if we and and if we'd both gone to uni at the same time yeah the long distance would have been shorter but would we have been able to um make our relationship work because we'd be both dealing with the same stresses at the same time so mm. we'd both be irritable at the same time you know <laughs> um we'd both be going to an entirely different city so it wouldn't be coming back to your hometown to see each other it would be mm. entire you know so maybe you know the meaning i kind of add to it is like oh it's worked out for the best really even though it's difficult because yeah i can focus on my career now for a bit for three years while he's on mm. his trajectory as well mm. yeah and i guess you know there's an element of um it's a good way to kind of test your relationship isn't it that mm-hmm. you're able to to maintain it even though you're both separate for such a long period of time and of course covid has made that even yeah. more difficult <laughs> yeah we used to see each other more frequently we used yeah. to see each other at least once a month but in person for mm. a good amount of like for a long weekend um don't anymore (laughs) and and normally you know he'd come back for the summer and we'd Mm. see each other all the time um, because you know holidays are long for uni isn't it so Mm. over the summer over the christmas we'd see each other a lot um not this year no unfortunately not (laughs) um but you can kind of get over that because pandemic you know so you're like yeah well there's nothing i can do about it personally so 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 those those are two elements that that Dan Kutu identified um which was facing down reality so being willing to to deal with the reality that we've got and not overly optimistic although optimism is good um it's about a balance isn't it so not unrealistic optimism i suppose and the search for meaning which is even in the most difficult of times to identify and i think learning opportunities are one of the the easiest things to find as a positive if you like so even under the conditions that we're in now you know we can perhaps learn a lot about our own discipline and about our own personalities and the importance of yeah. our family people and, are picking up new hobbies <laughs> exactly <laughs> cross I mean, stitch has taken off cross stitch cooking I've, yeah. I've never seen so many pictures of pies on twitter yeah people bloody love banana bread as well don't they remember banana that banana bread yes <laughs> um yeah i mean people have been able to have there there was some joy in it mm. as well that's not to undermine obviously the the real hardship that people are going through and um you know depending on your circumstances it's a bit of pot looking away whether whether you have a role or a job that that you carry on doing or whether you um, are able to get furloughed or if you're self-employed maybe you have nothing and that's that's really tough so for some people it's very very difficult again being realistic about it but is there some way that you can find meaning and purpose in that experience or at least part of it um you know is the advice you see of course it's easier said than done and um it's not about telling people you know just always look for the good um it's not that (laughs) (laughs) i guess that was what that song was about really Yeah. yeah um and the third element is this uh this thing that q2 describes as ritualized ingenuity Mm. which is a a bit of a clunky 
sort of couple of words, I think. But what she refers to here is something that I've found really interesting over the last couple of years as doing some lots of research into lots of things, is this concept of bricolage. Have you heard of bricolage? Only through you, but okay. I reckon the audience might not have heard of bricolage. <laughs> so bricolage, it's nothing to do with psychology really, but it's, it's this idea of, um, I think it comes from French peasants in the, oh, I don't know, the 1700s Back or in past. Back in the, uh, back in the <laughs> olden days. Um, and these peasants would basically make stuff out of the odds and ends that they had so they would you know they didn't have a lot of raw materials but they'd they'd find bits of wire or something on the floor or they'd they'd scavenge for something and out of those bits and bobs they'd make stuff great granddad a bit like <laughs> they my didn't granddad. make great granddad sorry no, <laughs> like <laughs> they made their great grandfather no um like your granddad my yeah. great granddad he was a tinkerer <laughs> he was and so he was a bricoleur yeah um yeah so that's um that's quite an interesting concept and the idea for resilience is that if you're resilient what you're doing is you know it's great if everything is nicely presented and is is there for you to use but often in life you have to kind of make do and mend and make do with what you've got mm. so this applies in a couple of cases so it could be that you don't have the the tools or something that you'd really like and i suppose as filmmakers we find this don't we yeah so you know it'd be great if we had a great camera and uh, lots of really powerful lighting mm. and uh you know multiple but yeah or like filming in covid we didn't we wanted to make sure it was safe so we yeah. kept the actors apart but that meant we needed to create a fake we had to fake out that they were actually near each other, so mm. we we made that work with the tech that we had and yeah. the, the you know big smiley face on the stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so there's all sorts of things that we had to do because we didn't have the the correct conditions or or equipment. But you you have to do that, and I guess that's the same for most people in in any walk of life. You you never have exactly all the resources that you ideally would like, so you have to make do with what you've got. And that, I think, is a really good concept. And when life is difficult, then that's kind of what you end up doing. Um, But that also applies psychologically as well. So we often have in our mind um, the person we are and and, uh, the way that we frame what's happening. In psychology, it's called sense-making. So we look at a situation and we we kind of make sense of what we think that is. Mm. And so with with psychological bricolage it's like saying well you know we could describe lockdown as like being in prison or we could describe it as a a pause in which to reset our thinking and our activity you know both might involve the same thing staying indoors a lot more but the second one is a lot more positive and able to move forward then with with something we want to do yeah because there was someone that I used to know that probably say I was overly optimistic but I think I was just putting a positive spin or like trying to see reality but in a positive way so I would be like I I would see something and be like oh yeah but you know it's like this and I would say you know it like I could with the lockdown thing instead of being like yeah, we're locked in now, we're locked in, it's lockdown, it's prison time. I'd be like, oh yeah, it's good though, because I've taken up knitting again. And <laughs> <laughs> True story. And I've read a lot, and um, 
you know I've been doing filming we did a lot of fun filming in in lockdown one that was good and then they'd be like yeah but what about and it's just like but life's a lot happier <laughs> when yeah. you do it you know so so both are, are real in that you know yeah. the, the, it is lockdown but it's also true to say that there's opportunities to take a new direction um so I suppose in my life uh there's there's a few as I'm older, I probably have more moments like that. But perhaps one that comes to mind straight away is when I was made redundant. Mm. So I was made redundant about 20 years ago. Was it? No. About 15 years ago, probably. Um, yeah, about 15 years ago, believe it or not. And um, at that time, of course, that was a really bad time. I was frightened um because i didn't have any savings it was the 2008 crash it was 2008 crash that's right so that's easy to work out there 12 years ago um it was a it was a really bad time but now that i look back on it you know actually it was perhaps the making of me in many respects in that i started my own business and from there i then ended up doing my degree and so on and so on so I think it's it's easy when you look back to see actually that's how we I should have framed it at the time and I guess it took some time to, to it do is that. hard though because you weren't mm. expecting it I think right. this is the thing that sometimes maybe this is like the changing of thought processes and stuff because yeah. it's difficult in the moment sometimes to be like right hang on <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's put on the positive hat. Yeah, and that's not what resilience is about. So I think I think the point is with yeah. resilience, it's about um, uh, yeah, going through that process. Remember, yeah. we said it's a process. Yeah, it's so not think, just being like, right, flick the switch. Yes, exactly. Stop being sad. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so so that's important. I mean, there might be some. I think it's likely that there are some personality trait elements to resilience. So I think it's probably easier for certain people to take that mindset than it is others. So it's not to say that you couldn't. But it's not to say that you couldn't. So if you think about the personality traits that um, we use to measure personality, there's one dimension there called emotional stability. Um, and if you're high on emotional stability, you'll probably be... There's another element that I wanted to talk about. Is that okay? Yeah. So, um, from my old university, I've just finished a, a master's at Birkbeck, and the team there did a little uh, document. Again, I think you can find this online, and they called it the ABCs of Psychological Needs. And this was, again, written by the, the Organisational Psychology Department, um, but it absolutely applies to, to us as well. I thought that would be quite useful to look at. So, obviously, well-being is its own thing but it's very closely linked to resilience so i thought i'd talk about these abcs i love the names that psychologists give their papers <laughs> the abcs of psychological needs so um a stands for autonomy okay. so one of the things that human beings need to feel like they have this sense of well-being is that they need a sense of autonomy which means that we want to feel that we can make decisions so that's one of the things that if we don't have that and when we feel that being restricted, then that starts to reduce our sense of well-being. So autonomy is very important. So finding a way to be able to have control over something within our life 
is is important and again at times when if we get made redundant or if we're very ill or at a time of a pandemic or whatever it is if you think about it that's that's one of the things that's happening our sense of autonomy is being reduced mm. something has happened to us that we had no control over you know we called into the office one morning i'm sorry to say stephen but your department's being um, liquidated i didn't have any say in that so my autonomy has been reduced so if we can find a way of increasing that sense of autonomy that will help us a sense of belonging is a is the b and actually that comes out in a lot of the resilience material is that relationships with other people is really really important so yeah absolutely keep up those zoom chats those skype chats and keep those relationships going because that is really important i mean that's something that i personally find quite difficult because i'm not naturally a particularly gregarious person mm. but i've tried to make sure i maintain um those relationships because mm. you kind of need them so keep doing that so a sense of belonging there's somebody or something or a group of people or a social circle that you belong to mm. um and a sense of competence is that is the third one obviously that's particularly relevant to the workplace because you want to feel like you're competent at your job but of course again this comes down to you know i can now cook a great banana bread, banana bread. <laughs> or you know i've i've made this thing or i've done some work in the house or whatever mm-hmm. um, and there could be other things you know you might yeah. just um spin off in all sorts of directions now might be the time to write that novel yeah. you know m- now might be the time to make that um summer house or perhaps yeah. not today because it's pouring down today but you know what make i mean that summer house. Get in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> it could be that now yeah. is the moment to do something and show demonstrate your your competence well yeah i mean even it can go down right to a small thing like mm. i've made myself learn a new kind of knit <laughs> and it's been yeah. it's been good and i keep showing you and be like look look i can do i can testify to the fact that you do keep showing me your knitting it's so good <laughs> i can do that now i can do exactly. stocking stitch i learned that so they do make the point that they should be realistic goals um so obviously you want to encourage your sense of competence. So don't take something on that's so difficult no. you're not going to achieve it and then that's going to make you feel less competent. Mm. So uh, obviously something that you can achieve, but that yeah. will help with that feeling of competence. I think that's important is, it, as well to focus in on is that what I've learned in my, my whole 24 years of life <laughs> um, is that not to over goal at the beginning so yeah. waking up one morning be like i'm going to f- change my life for the better now i'm going to be the best person yeah. that ever did live you know and it's yeah. like i'm going to start exercising every day and i'm going to have just healthy meals i'm going to cut out chocolate forever i'm going to walk the dog every day as well as exercise every day yeah. i'm also going to knit every day and i'm going to read a book all the time <laughs> and it's like are you doing all these seven life changes yeah. you know like let's yeah. start with make the bed every day <laughs> you know and yeah. like why don't we incorporate like the food one first maybe mm. and yeah. over time you can add things but i used to be very much like i would write a list of all the things i wanted my life to be and I'm, like, I'm starting all of that tomorrow yeah, yeah. and it's just a lot <laughs> that's a really good piece of advice isn't it yeah do do a, a little at a time mm-hmm. Um, change one thing i think they often say don't they yeah so yeah and let it become a habit before you then start shoving in more yeah (laughs) um i think it's just it's not from a place of like 
you know negativity that it's just a, a get over excited but then when it goes wrong you're a bit bummed out <laughs> yeah so to that that feeling of competence then yeah have yeah. goals that are easy to um well, easy reasonably easy to achieve mm-hmm. and demonstrate your competence in that area yeah um so yeah i thought that would be quite interesting we'll put all the references on the uh the, the notes for the podcast mm-hmm. um but yeah what what else have you got to say about resilience what else have i got to say about resilience um well see we did talk about potentially mentioning the colitis and stuff in, re- mm. in, in regards to resilience i i don't know how necessarily to think about it in terms of resilience because i didn't think of myself as necessarily being resilient at the time i just mm. kind of had to deal with it because yeah. it's like well this is the way my body works now so this mm. is the state of things <laughs> do yeah. you know what i mean so it's, i think uh this interesting with that that you just discussed with the agent uh it's, it's interesting what you just said about that with the autom- autonomy because mm. that did steal my autom- autonomy yes it's a hard word to say it is um, because obviously, and, and uh, quite annoyed um, at, at body for doing that. Because I was like, "You're meant to be on my team," <laughs> and uh, you know, it was battling yeah. against me. It felt like, but I mean, what comes to my mind as you're talking now is is the other thing that we haven't mentioned is the importance of of us if we are helping somebody else. I mm. think that's probably the other important yeah. thing. So perhaps that's something that um, I as your dad need needed or continue to need to think about when you are in some sort of um, flare-up is not removing your sense of autonomy altogether and that's easy to do if somebody's ill is to say look you know let me do this let me do that let me do this don't you do this don't you do that and obviously there could be really good reasons for that Mm. but we have to allow some sense of autonomy for that individual because as soon as that's gone their sense of well-being really dips yeah because i think you've already lost your ability to do a lot of things when you're in a colitis flare up but when you're in a bad one yeah your autonomy's already been depleted a bit because Mm. you know if you've not heard about colitis it you know it does leave you really fatigued and and your body's just in a bit of a bit of a rubbish state of affairs Mm. um so then if there are things that you can do you kind of want to do them Um, yeah that's right i guess the thing about older people as well that's one of the frustrations with our elderly relatives is you know why do you keep doing this you know let me do it yeah um but obviously that's the reason they're doing it is because they want that sense of autonomy obviously again there's a balance here isn't there there's times when obviously we need to let go and let other people do things for us but i think as a carer it's important for us not to forget that that is an important sense, an important part of a sense of well-being, yeah. is that we have some control over our mm-hmm. own body, over our own um, actions yeah. and what happens to us. And I think letting it be a choice, even if you just present it as a choice, is a lot better. So when I was starting to feel I was conscious basically so I started to feel better because I was conscious yeah. um, so mum was like well do you want to go downstairs from the hospital room to Costa which is very exciting um, mm. so I walked downstairs the first time but I was absolutely exhausted I wanted a nap by the time I got down to Costa um, and she had suggested getting a wheelchair but I was like no because <laughs> you know a couple of weeks ago I was running about mm. so I was like no mm. um, but then obviously when we're sitting in the Costa I was like 
yeah, do you think you could go and get a wheelchair? Yeah. And, and, you know, she pushed me back upstairs and I was like, that's better. <laughs> mm. But it's a choice then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think that's, that's perhaps a useful thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think we've done resilience, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, we've um, given you lots of examples there. You've had you've had health, you've had <laughs> relationships, knitting. Yeah. So I guess the first, the, the the final thing to say is, you know, it is that process. So don't don't feel bad if you if you as an individual feel like you're down or that you're struggling. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely normal. Um, but it's that process of of um, of going through. Yeah those things that we've talked about should, today should we give them a little recap yeah yeah so first of all we talked about um the fact that what resilience is it's about keeping this balance between demands on us and our resources so if we're going to maintain resilience then it might be that we reduce some of the demands if we're struggling mm. or that we do something to increase the resources that we've got and those resources could be inner resources they could be relationships with others of course uh, we also looked at Diane Kutu's, um article which is actually called How Resilience Works it's in the Harvard Business Review of 2009 um, you should be able to find it online I don't think it's behind a paywall but it's worth checking it out um, she talked about facing down reality so not although not being pessimistic not being overly optimistic so that we deny reality um, so taking that balanced approach, search for meaning, finding meaning in even the most difficult of circumstances and finding a way to take advantage of, of that opportunity, for, um, for want of a better word. And then this this ingenuity element, this ability to be a bricoleur, to, um, to make do and mend, if you like, with what we've got mm-hmm. and to produce things from that, both psychologically and, and practically. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of what we yeah, we looked at with resilience. A, yeah, and I think maybe you know we always like to give you a question. Maybe mm. the question is, um, what have you done recently that you could, you know, talk about in terms of resilience and the way that we've talked about resilience today? Or you know, is there something that you want to go on that resilience process? about that's happening at the moment or just yeah any of your experiences about being resilient yeah that'd be really interesting we might be able to share some of those as well yeah i think at some point when you know we've been going through getting answers and stuff we'd Mm. like to start sharing them on the podcast indeed yeah might help some people too if you think that you've got you know a friend that would really benefit from learning about resilience and you know I think most people would at the moment um, share it with them. Send it. Send a link. Um, send a text to someone. Tell them you think this would be a good podcast to listen to. Yeah, please do. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you.